You are listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you've never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. There are a lot of exciting things going on at Collective as the new year begins, so make sure you are following us on social media at My Collective Church to stay in the loop. Now here's Sunday's message. The week we started the 35 series, I came across a video on YouTube from a doctor of neuroscience that was about resiliency, willpower, and grit. And he talked about this area of our brains called the anterior midcingulate cortex. And the anterior midcingulate cortex, or AMCC, is located in the medial wall of the frontal cortex, which is the area of our brains that's responsible for decision-making, uh, attention, and memory. And neuroscientists have been studying this part of our brain for years, and they have found that when people do something that they don't want to do, and that part is really important, when they work out even though they're tired, when they say no to that drink even though their body wants it, when they choose vulnerability even though they are afraid of the outcome, when people do something they don't want to do, their anterior mid-cingulate cortex gets bigger. They found that it actually grows. And so scientists believe that the AMCC is what determines grit and perseverance in people. And the more we do things that we know we should do that we don't want to do, the stronger this part of our brain gets, like a muscle, and it helps us overcome challenges in the future. Right? This is amazing, right? But here's the cool thing. There's even more. The anterior midcingulate cortex, they found, is connected to people's will to live. And so people who push through the challenges they face will live a longer life which means we have a choice when it comes to our anterior mid-cingulate cortex. We can build this part of our brain up and we can invest in the things that are hard for us to do and the things that we don't really want to do. We can experience growth that will inevitably help us build up our resilience and make us much more successful in accomplishing challenging tasks in the future. Or we can shrink this part of our brain down by giving up, by always trying to take the easy road, by playing the victim when life is hard and we face challenges. It's incredible, isn't it? Right now, we're in the middle of this thing called the 35-Day Challenge. And if you're new to Collective, uh, it's not too late to jump in because we're not done running after this as a church. And so if you're new or you haven't joined yet, I'm going to keep pushing one more time today. You can learn more about this by opening up the Church Center app, click on Coming Up, and then click on 35-Day Challenge. Because what we're trying to do is we're trying to love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength so we can become the men and women of God that Jesus wants us to be. Really what we're doing is we are doing things that are hard for us. We are working out our anterior mid-cingulate cortex. We are growing our willpower and grit. We are changing our priorities. We are making new habits. We're sacrificing things that we love for things that we love even more. And we are growing our faith. We're almost done with this challenge. So I wanna know right now, how many of you are on track to finish next week? All right, good. Uh, now, I know some of you are not on track to finish next week for one reason or another, but let me know if you're not on track, but you're still determined at some point this year, you're going to finish this thing. There you go. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, just as a reminder, for everyone who finishes, we will have a gift for you. Next week at Next Steps in the lobby, we've got a collective 35 tumbler, and it's for anybody who completes this challenge at any point this year. Right? So if you failed, get back on it. If you haven't started yet, start now. Uh, one thing I've loved about this series is the stories that I keep hearing about those who are leaning in. I heard a story about someone whose first time at Collective was just a few weeks ago, and they shared with us that they've had some pretty bad church experiences in the past. 
And so they're cautiously checking out collective, but they also jumped into the 35-day challenge. And I admire this because while they're still trying to figure out if collective can be their church home, they're doing the hard work to grow in their own faith. Someone shared with me this week that they're more than halfway through the challenge and they just had a bad day. And so they failed, but they didn't make excuses. They said, it just showed me that I need to do a better job prioritizing what matters the most to me. I heard a story about a couple who used this challenge to start reading their Bible and praying together, things that they always wanted to do. They just couldn't figure out how to start and this helped them get started. And as we wrap up this series today, we're gonna talk about the final challenge of serving others. You know, when putting all this together, I thought serving others would probably be the easiest of all the challenges, but it hasn't been, has it? This one has been sneakily difficult, and I know people are struggling with this because some of the questions that I've been asked in the lobby during this series, someone asked me, does taking care of my toddler count as service? (laughs) Someone said, what about making my husband dinner? Uh, Another person asked me, does doing my homework count as an act of service? Is it serving others if I don't cut them off while they're driving slow in the fast lane? Uh, And the best question I got asked over the past few weeks is, does sex with my spouse count as service? (laughs) I am not going to answer that question for you. What I am gonna talk about today, though, is how the challenge of serving others leads to an application for life here at Collective. You don't have to be here very long to know that life at Collective is driven by baptisms and life change. I wanna show you some data really quickly to give you some insight into this. This is uh, our attendance starting in the fall of 2017. We launched September 17th that year. And this shows our attendance and our baptisms per year. For those of you who are like, I can't read numbers. Here's what this means. As the church grows, we baptize more people, right? Simple. More people show up, more people get baptized. (laughs) But these are just numbers on a screen. So let me tell you a few stories. Let me tell you about Mike Breeden. Mike struggled his whole life with addiction, and a few years ago, he found himself sitting in a hotel room in Frederick trying to drink himself to death. That's when he made a call to the Frederick Rescue Mission and he became part of their Change Life Recovery Program. While in the program, he started attending a church in the area, and he realized that what he needed more than anything else was a relationship with Jesus, and that's when COVID hit. It shut everything down. And with the men in the program not being able to go to church anymore, the mission and our partnership with them, they gave them a way to watch Collective Online. And one of the Sundays Mike was watching, he realized that it was one thing to believe in Jesus and another thing to submit to him. And so he actually reached out to the church that he had been attending about getting baptized. And their response to him was, baptism isn't on our radar right now. And so Jake Sexton called us and said, hey, I've got this guy named Mike. He's ready to go all in on Jesus. Can he get baptized at Collective? Because baptism is always on our radar. We celebrated Mike's baptism, and Mike made Collective his church home. This is Sydney. For six years, Sydney looked for a church where she could belong. And many of you know what it feels like to try to find a church home. It's mentally, emotionally, and even spiritually exhausting. And things got worse for her when she began to struggle with anxiety and depression and not having a church community magnified it. Eventually, her cousin invited her to Collective and she found out what she had been looking for. And when Sydney got baptized, she shared with us, I want God to know that I'm all in and that I trust him through this step. I want my faith to be an example for everyone. I want to be a leader for my future kids and I want to help serve the kids here in Collective Kids. If you have a toddler, you know Sydney because most Sundays she is here telling your kids who Jesus is. This is Sam. Sam just shared his story a few weeks ago on our podcast called Your Story Matters. 
Sam grew up like many of you in the Catholic church where he believed in God, but he never actually had a relationship with Jesus. And one of the things that kept tripping Sam up was that he never felt like he was good enough. And anything that he did, he just never felt like he was good enough, never good enough in his marriage and his relationships. But more importantly, he never felt like he was good enough to be loved by Jesus. He felt like he was never good enough to get in that trough and get baptized. But through conversations with his friends, through reading his Bible, he learned it has nothing to do with being good enough. It has everything to do with who Jesus is and the truth that there's nothing that you can do to make God love you more. And there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. Last one. This is Nathan. Nathan's family started coming to Collective before we ever had a church service. We were in a phase called pre-launch. And when they started at Collective, Nathan and his older brother were the only teenagers in this church. And so they helped us start Youth Collective. Most Wednesday nights, it was just the two of them showing up week after week, learning more about what Jesus wanted for their lives. Now, regularly on Wednesday nights, there's about 50 students here learning about what Jesus has in store for them, a way they can have purpose and value. But what's really cool is that this summer, Nathan was baptized during our Game Changers series, a series that was geared toward the men in this church about being the men that God called them to be. And that's what Nathan wanted to do. And listen, I, I know this isn't true at most churches, but almost every single week at Collective, we get to experience stories like this. We get to witness the joy of seeing God's lost children coming home. And because lives are changing and this church is growing, I want to talk about something that affects life in our community every single Sunday. And it comes from one verse, one powerful sentence from Jesus in Matthew 20, 20. It starts like this. Jesus says, for even the son of man. Now this phrase is really important. It comes from Daniel 7 in the Old Testament. It was used by people to talk about the savior that one day God would send. And so Jesus uses that phrase for himself. So what he's saying is, I am the son of man. More importantly, he's saying, I am the savior of this world. And so he says, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, the context to this is that right before Jesus says this, two of his closest followers, James and John, ask him if they can get the best seats in heaven. And so this argument breaks out with all the other disciples, not because they're annoyed at the arrogance of James and John, but because they didn't ask Jesus first. And so Jesus stops them and says, listen, even I didn't come to be served. Even I came to serve other people. He says, I came to give up my life as a ransom for many. And what he's telling them is, if you want to be the best, if you want to have the best seats in the house, follow my lead and be a servant. And so in light of what we just read and the challenge, in 35-day challenge to serve, I want to ask you, are you serving here? Are you on one of the serving teams at Collective? Let me ask it like this and push on you a little bit more. Is your goal at Collective to consume or to contribute? Really, do you show up every week looking to be served, or is there a part of you that's waiting for the opportunity to serve others? Pastor Bob Russell started a church in Kentucky called Southeast Christian Church that played a huge role in Collective getting started. And over the 40 years that Bob was in ministry there, the church grew from 60 people to 16,000 people. And when he retired, he preached his final sermon as lead pastor, and he said this. He said, there have been some big moments in the history of this church, but for the most part, the story of this church is people doing their duty week in and week out for years on end, and that's what makes this place special. When I read this quote for the first time in one of his books, it got me thinking about what I would say when I retire from Collective, hopefully many years in the future. I'm not retiring right now, by the way. Some of you will hope I did after I preach the sermon today, but it's okay. 
but I've thought about what I would say to this church. And so here's a little bit of a preview. I know that I'll talk about moving to Frederick with Ray uh, when our daughter Elise was just 11 months old. And we're in this city that we've never lived in before where we didn't know anybody. And I was hoping and praying that night that we made the right decision. I'll talk about our first vision night where we met in the back of a place called Flippin' Pizza. And 40 people showed up to hear about this new church coming to Frederick. And I'll talk about launch day at West Frederick Middle School. We pulled a 24-foot trailer. We transformed a gym and a cafeteria into a church. And right before service, I went into the lobby, and I just saw a crowd full of faces I'd never seen before waiting for the doors to open so they could hear about grace and endless second chances. I'll talk about our capital campaign in 2019 that we called the Frederick That God Sees. We had maxed out the middle school, and we needed to find new space. We were just two years old at the time, and we were told that we would never reach our goal of $250,000 because we were too young of a church, and this church gave over $450,000. When that day comes, I'll talk about how we were still riding the high of this incredible capital campaign when COVID shut us down. And for 52 weeks in a row, all we could do was online church, and it was awful. It was terrible but we made it through. I'll talk about this building and the feeling of worshiping together for the first time after a year of being part and me sitting in my seat in the front row and just weeping because even I misunderstood just how much I needed this place. I'll talk about that time we got up on stage and said, what if for church, instead of meeting here, we went grocery shopping and year after year, you all showed up and bought hundreds of thousands of pounds of food and tens of thousands of items for our community. I'll talk about getting emotional every time I watch someone get in the trough to get baptized as they declare, Jesus is my king and my savior, and I'm in. And I'll reminisce on these amazing moments, but what I will be most thankful for is that the story of Collective is about people doing their duty week in and week out for years on end, because that is what makes this church special. I'm going to show you a little bit more data. I know some of you die a little bit inside when you see numbers, but check this out. And here's what's really important about these numbers. Side by side, what it will look like is that as collective grows, so does the team. But one thing that we know is true about this church is as the team grows, the church grows. In the data world, this is called a lead measure, and this has been true since day one at Collective. The more that people serve other people in this church, the more that people will show up. And so, so here's what all of this means. This means when the team grows, more marriages are healed. When the team grows, more addictions are broken. When the team grows, more students find their self-worth in Jesus and not social media. When the team grows, mental health gets better. When the team grows, so does this church. But, but here's what this also tells me. Look at the third column on the right-hand side. We have more people attending now who aren't serving than we've ever had before. One of the largest surveys of churches ever conducted. It was a 20-year study. It came out in 2022, and here's what they found. The bigger a church gets, the greater decline in giving per person and the less willing people are to serve. And as much as we like to brag that collective isn't like other churches, and in a lot of ways, it's just, that's true. We're not like a lot of churches. Let's go back to that data again. When it comes to the bigger a church gets, the less willing people are to serve. We are just like other churches. And I can't tell you how much I hate that. I don't want collective to be like just another church. Someone asked me a few weeks ago, what happens when we fill up the bigger auditorium and we run out of chairs again? And it's a great question. Honestly, I was hoping it was one that someone wouldn't ask me for about six months as we try to figure some stuff out. But right now, Collective is averaging 600 people a week, which is just unreal. 
This is beyond our wildest. We never imagined that Collective would be a church this big and make this much of an impact. This is all God doing things that we never even could have imagined. But here's the thing. When we hit 700, which I believe we will, we will run out of space again. And the plan will be to add a third service and squeeze it in on a Sunday morning, but that won't happen if our team doesn't grow. To, to be honest, we know that it can't happen. And listen, this isn't a guilt trip. This is just your pastor being honest with you all because all of this matters. Because if we're done reaching people, if we're done creating space for lives to change, if we're done baptizing the lost, we don't need people to step up and join the team, right? Because you show up every single week. And to be honest, it's amazing, right? Right, it is. Our team crushes it every single Sunday, which is why people, it's easy to show up at Collect and look around and think, this church doesn't need me. And if we are done, we can be done. If we want to settle, we can settle. But here's my thing. I just don't think God is done with us yet. I do not believe that God is sitting in heaven thinking, what other churches do we need to focus on now? Because Collective's done everything that we need them to do. So think about this with me. When we choose to serve instead of being served, more lives change. When we choose to serve, instead of being served, more people hear about how Jesus gave up his life as a ransom for them. When we choose to serve, instead of being served, more people get baptized. When we choose to serve, instead of being served, heaven gets crowded. And I have this insane dream that one day in the history of this church, we baptize 100 people in a year. I've had that dream since day one, but I know that that is intrinsically linked to people stepping up and joining the team. And so my goal today, as we finish up this 35 series and we try to keep those habits moving, is very simple. I want to challenge you to join the team. In fact, this week, uh, I came into the office on Wednesday and I told the staff uh, that I was going to set the goal uh, that 50 people join the team today, right? 50 people today, which is just insane. But, but here's the thing. We set goals all the time at Collective. And most Sundays, when, when I set these goals, you come to me in the lobby and you brag about how we're going to crush those goals. So I'm going to expect you to do the same thing with this goal. Right? Well, I don't want to just crush the goals that are easy to crush. I want to crush the goals that are hard. And listen, I know there are people in our position who would look around and say, hey, everything's good. Right? We're baptizing people. We're making an impact in the community. We just expanded this space. But it is in Collective's DNA where we don't settle and we don't tap out. In fact, if we ever become a church that decides that we only care about being served, then I'm done and I will give that farewell sermon. But that's not the type of church I want to be a part of. To be honest, that's not the type of church that we started. And I think you are here because you don't want to be a part of a church like that. There's a phrase that we've repeated over the years at Collective. It's dig a ditch. And so we'll say as a staff or a team, you know, even sometimes as a church, we're going to dig a ditch and we're going to host four Christmas Eve services. We're going to dig a ditch and we're going to expand our space. We're going to dig a ditch and we're going to launch something called Four Frederick Week. And this comes from a story in the Old Testament of the Bible. The kings of Israel and Judah are coming together to fight the king of Moab. And as they're going through the desert of Edom, they run out of water and they realize that they're going to die before they ever even get a chance to go to battle. And so they call on a prophet of the Lord and they ask this prophet what to do. And here's what the prophet says. The prophet says, dig ditches all over this valley. Here's what will happen. You won't hear the wind. You won't see the rain, but this valley is going to fill up with water and your army and your animals will drink their fill. And he finishes by saying, this is easy for God to do. 
And so they spend all night digging ditches, and when they wake up the next morning, there's water everywhere. God saves them. They go on. They win their battle. And so we like to say that we dig ditches here at Collective, meaning we like to do what only we can do to provide a place where God can do what only God can do. And God may or may not show up and do something amazing. That's up to him. But as far as it depends on us, we will do the hard work to create an environment where God can do something big. And isn't that what the 35-day challenge is all about? We feel stuck. We feel stuck in our marriages or our mental health is stuck or our self-worth is stuck. And we're looking around thinking we aren't even going to make it to the battle that we know is inevitable in our lives because there isn't any water. And so we're going to God saying, what do we do? And God says, dig a ditch to do the hard work so that God can do the easy work. Listen, I want to take a moment to talk to those of you who have already given up on the 35-day challenge. Not those of you who failed and started over or had a few bad days or back at it, but those of you who got hit in the mouth by this challenge and decided to quit. And to be honest, this is going to sting a little bit, but somebody has to say this to you. If this is so hard that you quit, what are you going to do when your marriage bottoms out? What are you going to do when that trauma you've been bearing won't stay buried anymore? What are you going to do when your faith goes into a valley and you don't know how to get out of it? What are you going to do when parenting gets the best of you? Because my fear is that you are going to give up on those things as well. And my guess, just being completely honest, is that quitting is a pattern that you have in your life. It's just another thing that you gave up on. And so let me challenge those of you for one last time this will be the last time I push you on this, who have given up. Dig a ditch. Wake up earlier and dig a ditch for your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Delete the apps on your phone and replace your doom scrolling with scripture and prayer. Do the hard work. Do the hard things. Dig a ditch. And for those of you who don't serve here, whether you're doing the challenge or not, I want you to join a serving team to dig a ditch for what God may want to do, not only in your life, but in someone else's life as well. Because remember what Jesus said, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. And listen, I know there are a million reasons not to serve. You already have it queued up in your brain right now, right? Most of you hold on to it every single week waiting for this sermon once a year, so you have your answer. And so let's talk about the reasons why people don't serve. Here's the first one we hear is I'm too busy. Or people say I'm just stressed or I'm overwhelmed. And I believe you, I don't want to downplay that. Right? My life is busy. I understand that. But like we talked about in week one of this series, we always find time for what we really want to do. And so when we say, I'm too busy, what we're actually saying is, this isn't really important to me, or this doesn't fit my priorities. And so the challenge coming out of this series is to elevate serving others to becoming a bigger priority. Instead of serving being pushed down on the list or something, you stop at day 36, trying to shove it into an already busy schedule. Cut the things that are less important. Cut the things that are less of a priority because what God has called us to do is too important for us to push this down on our priority list. Here's another one. I work on Sundays. Sometimes that's unavoidable. Now, if you do work on Sundays and you're here every once in a while, I do challenge you to make it a long-term goal to, work, to not work on Sundays because your soul should be here and you need to be here every single week. But whether you work sometimes or travel sometimes or have a weird schedule sometimes, for whatever reason, our staff will work with you. But we want you to be a part of what's going on here. Here's another one. I don't follow Jesus. Great. You are absolutely in the right place. 
I always tell people that if you're truly trying to investigate Jesus, you should do what Christians do in order to see if Jesus is the right fit for you. Give him a fair shot. Meaning you can't say you tried Jesus if you didn't try reading your Bible every day. You can't say that you tried Jesus if you didn't try serving others. It's like not buying a t-shirt because you decide before you ever try it on that it doesn't fit. And so we have a lot of roles that you can serve in regardless of where you are in your faith. Here's another one, I'm new. Right? People hold on, they'll use this for like four years. I'm new to collective. <laughs> the irony is some of you would meet me in the lobby and be like, I've been coming here for six months. Like that's a long time. I get it, right? We just like use it however we want to use it. I'm new. But that takes me back to the original launch team who started this church. There were 45 people, and if they didn't serve because they were new, Collective wouldn't exist. These, these are people who committed to serving you all before they ever heard me preach a sermon. We don't care if you're new. We want to serve with you. Here's another one. I don't want my kids to attend two services. Most of the time, the roles mean you serve one, attend one. Some of the roles you serve straight through both services. And here's my take. I think your kids being here for a few hours worshiping Jesus is, being here for, is better than being here for just one. And I know that my kids are different. My kids have been coming to two services for over six years, and so far they're turning out all right. It's tough, but it's all right. But here's the other thing. When Ray isn't serving, my wife isn't serving on Sundays, and my kids only attend one service, they get mad at us because that's how much they love being here. Here's another one. I need to focus on myself. We typically hear this when there's some drama going on in someone's life, and they say, you know what? I can't serve. I just I need to focus on myself right now. And I want to push back on that and say, stopping serving is never going to be the path to health. Right? The thing that's going to get you through what you're facing is not selfishness. Besides, studies have proven that serving others has a positive impact on your mental and emotional and overall well-being. So one of the best ways that you can focus on yourself is actually to focus on others by serving them. And then here's the last one. I just don't want to. And you know what? I get that. Me too sometimes. Most of the time I wake up excited to be here on Sundays, and there's some days I don't feel that way. It is a sacrifice. And sacrifice is hard, and digging ditches is hard, and serving others is hard. But remember... Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to push this a little bit further. I said earlier, we want 50 people to join the team today. This is how you do it. We're going to put a QR code up on the screen. We've been talking about this for the past few weeks. Today, after this service, we're doing something called Team and Tacos. It'll start 15 minutes after we are done. And my challenge is for you to take out your phone right now and scan that QR code and sign up. And I will say this, we went into Sunday morning having 20 people signed up for this. First service stepped up and like 18 people signed up. And so we're looking for 12 people from the service. Say, hey, I'm ready to be a part of this. I'm ready to contribute and be a part of what God is doing in this church. And the thing is, we've made this as easy as possible for you. This will take a little bit over an hour. We're gonna feed you tacos, right? In case you were wondering. Uh, we have people who will watch your kids and you will leave here today on a, part of, on, a, on a team and a part of something great. And so if you have a talent like playing an instrument, join the team. If you're great with people, join the team. If you want to pour into the next generation, join the team. If you want to just get dopamine from holding babies for an hour, join the team. We have a lot of babies in this church. If you can hold open a door, join the team. If you love rejection when helping people find a seat in the auditorium, <laughs> join the team. If you have medical or military or law enforcement background, we have a safety team. You can join that team. If you want to serve the people who serve, we have a breakfast team. You can join that team. If you can't do it on Sunday morning,
things. We have people in this building during the week. We have a facilities team making sure that it's ready for us to be here on Sundays. And so my challenge is for you to scan that QR code or get up and go talk to Next Steps after service. It's 15 minutes to kill. Hang out with people in the lobby. It's great. And, and, and here's more importantly why this matters. If you want to make an impact, if you want to change the world, join the team. And let me wrap up by sharing why we do this. Right now, there is a marriage that's falling apart, and it will end in divorce without God. But someone in this church will take a risk and invite the couple to collective. And that person will be praying that the Sunday they show up, that our parking team is staffed with people who help them get parked in an easy way and begin to chip away at some of those walls that they've put up. And that person will be praying that there's someone on the front door who doesn't just open a door, but truly sees them and welcomes them. And that the couple's first impression leads to them feeling comfortable enough to hear about grace and truth. And they will. And they'll decide to hang on for one more week, and then they'll work on it for another month, and then they'll dive into therapy. And one day, a few years from now, they will realize that they have a healthy marriage because of what God did in the environment that you helped create. There's a woman in her 20s who feels lost, and she has a friend who comes to Collective every Sunday who's going to bring her one week, and we'll get one shot with her. One shot. We'll be lucky to get 60 minutes. And she needs the production team to be fully staffed and on point so that she can have a distraction-free environment for her to hear that God loves you and that he made you with a purpose. Give your life to him so that you can live freely and lightly. And she will. And she'll live her life knowing that a life with God is better than anything else. There's a man who feels like a failure. Feels like he has nothing to live for, but he'll come. And he needs a band that's practiced and on point so when a church full of broken people sings, not for a minute was I forsaken, the Lord is in this place. He doesn't just hear it, he feels it. He's not sure what to do, but he will realize that God is messing with him and he can't ignore it anymore. And because of Christ through you, he'll become the humble warrior that God wants him to be. There's a single mom who is drowning. She thought she'd marry the man of her dreams, but he left and took his big income and a stable life with him. And so she tries to work hard. She tries to stay positive. She loves her kids, but she just needs help. And she will show up and she will sit in these seats and she could care less what I have to say. But it's 60 minutes of having time to herself. And she'll know that her kids are safe. She'll know that they're having fun and she'll hope that they'll learn some deep truths that'll eventually help them at home. And she'll make her decision to come back based solely on what her kids say when they get in the car. And the reason why I know this is true, because that's been true for the past six years in this church. And listen, here's what's going to happen. You won't know these stories yet. But Jesus says on Judgment Day that everything that's secret comes out. Now, on the one hand, that's kind of scary for that secret sin that you have in your life. You should confess that. You should start dealing with that. But on the other hand, it means that there will be people who will look at you and say, you served at Collective. Thank you. You created space for me. Thank you. We believe this stuff. We believe that grace is real. We believe heaven is real. We believe hell is real. We believe that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others. And so we are not done. Right? And I challenge you uh, to step up. And I know there are logistics and questions and a million reasons that you can give right now to not do it. But I challenge you. Do not leave right now. Go to Team and Tacos and join the team. It will be hard. I'm not going to promise you that this is an easy thing to do. <coughs> Creating space for people to experience Jesus is a challenge. But let's, let's dig a ditch and see what God can do through us. 
So every time a life gets changed or someone gets baptized, you can say, I didn't cause that, but I got to be a part of that. We're not done. We're not going to settle. We're going to keep charging the gates of hell. My hope is that we get to do it together. Let's pray. God, I think one of the hardest things when we feel challenged like this is that there's a million reasons why we don't serve. And and a lot of times, God, it's not because we don't like people. We don't want what's best for people or we don't want people in heaven, God. It's because we're insecure. To be honest, God, it's because our priorities are out of whack. It's because we don't think we have anything to offer. It's because we think someone else will do it, and so we don't have to. But God, as we go to Scripture and we continue to read your words, one thing that we read over and over and over again is that we are called to serve others. God, that you didn't send your son so that we could selfishly take it in and that be it. But God, that we are supposed to receive the grace, we are supposed to receive the truth, the good news, the new life that Jesus has for us, and then bring that right back out into the world so other people can experience it as well. God, we are thankful that you set the tone in that. God, that you sent your son not to be served, but to serve others. And so I just pray that us as a church, uh, we can follow his lead. God, more than anything, I pray that as studies come out about churches and data gets put out there, I pray that collective is the anomaly. God, I pray that it is so different in this church that when they seek out data, uh, it's so different at collective that they throw our data out because it just messes up what they're trying to figure out. God, I pray that's true because people are doing what you tell them to do and ask them to do and need them to do and push them to do. God, that's not a collective thing, that it's a Jesus thing. So God, help us be that church. God, more than anything, thank you for sending your son to serve us. We don't deserve it. We don't, there's nothing we can do to earn it. But that was still his mission. God, I, I pray as people we bring that forward. God, we thank you and love you and pray these things in your name. Amen.